Hi, this is Chris Baldwin, a.k.a. Fight Goddess with Skull Combat Sports Equipment, and you are listening to Eddie Goldman with No Holds Barred. Hi, my name is Melissa Smith from GirlBoxing.org, and I'm listening to No Holds Barred with Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world. Once again, this is Eddie Goldman on No Holds Barred. On this edition of the show, we once again spoke with our colleagues Chris Baldwin of The War Room and Melissa Smith of Girl Boxing on The War Room. A video of this discussion has also been posted on the War Sports YouTube page. After an unplanned stay in the hospital, I'm catching up on posting these shows. This one was actually recorded February 13th while I was still hospitalized and in my hospital bed. I'm home now, so listen, learn, and enjoy. Welcome, fight fans from around the world. You have tuned in to the War Room, and I am your fight goddess, Chris Baldwin, here with my sister, my co-host, women's boxing historian, Melissa Smith, and my boy, Mr. Eddie Goldman. We call him the Conscious of Combat Sports. Today is Super Bowl Sunday, and here in the U.S. is also Black History Month, so I need to share a few statistical facts about the NFL as the Rams face the Bengals today here in uh, Los Angeles. I actually had to get out of Los Angeles because it's crazy right now. But anyway, first fun fact. When the NFL was formed in 1933 with just five team owners, Black players were banned from play. In 1946, black sports writers were instrumental in pushing for integration of the league when the Rams left Cleveland to come to Los Angeles. Today, 70% of the players are black. They're not POC, they are black, but they only make up 12% of the coaching staff. And by almost every statistical measure, black coaches have outperformed white coaches when it comes to like winning percentage and playoff appearances. And they're not just the first hired, they're also the first fired. And there you have it, folks. It's just another day in America. All right, let's get on to another topic that's hot in the boxing community, especially on boxing Twitter. And this is misogyny uh, exhibited by some of these promoters like Bob Arum, who just, you know, he is a mess. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Bob Arum is a straight up misogynist I, I, I do believe uh, Terrence Crawford when he says he's a little racist. So let's talk about Bob Arum and his history. He's got a history, folks, where he has said on camera, because he's told me this many times, no one's interested in women's boxing. Nobody likes to see that shit, so why promote it? Okay, so let's talk about that. Melissa, what's your take on uh, Mr. Arum? Because I think you found some footage, didn't you? Well, yeah, I mean, listen, he was actually very early into women's boxing. You know, the first real little spurt of boxing among women was in the 1970s when women went into the courts and said, hey, equal rights amendment means I get, you know, equal rights means uh, I get to practice professional boxing as a, as a way to earn a living. 
And he actually did promote boxing in 1977. He promoted a, a bout that was televised on uh, CBS TV. The fighters were making $15,000, which fighters can't get today. But anyway, it's, speaking about it in 1987, he said, quote, women's boxing is ridiculous. I promoted one bout for CBS TV in 77. It was between an Indian woman. Nice way of putting it, right? Her name was Princess Red Star. She was, came out of Northern California and was a superb boxer. And a women's casino dealer, Lavone Ludian, who had had several fights at the Aladdin Hotel in Las Vegas. Quote, when the Indian hit the dealer in the nose, the dealer stopped fighting and started crying all over the place. The people booed and the network complained, and I swore that Saturday afternoon that I'd never promote another woman's back. End quote. Now that was in 1987 when I, my personal boxing shiro, Marion Lady Tiger Tremier, who is now inducted into the Boxing Hall of Fame as a trailblazer for 20, in 2021, and a little parenthetical there, she went on a hunger strike for almost 40 days to complain about Bob Arum and Don King and how they were refusing to support women's boxing. Right. As she said, you have to admire women's boxers. They are the most courageous bunch who, are, who brave all kinds of criticism and ugly names to engage in boxing. Right. That's Bob Arum in 1987. And that's Bob Arum in 2022. He's just yep. an opportunistic parasite. So he's out here trying to trying to roll back some of that shit that he said. But uh, you know, but he's thinking that by promoting Michaela Mayer, that you know, that's like I got one black friend. That's the, that's the equivalent of that. You know what I'm it's, saying? I got one. Yeah, black we were saying that. Be racist, <laughs> right? Like a Smurfette, right? You got all the blue Smurfs, and then you right. got the Smurfette, right? <laughs> that shit is crazy. Yeah, and he also had a. Aram also had history where one of his uh, later attempts was in around 2005, where after years of people wanting to see it, he finally put together a fight between Lucia Riker and Christy Martin. Christy Martin was uh, sort of on the downside of her career at that point, and Lucia Riker was undefeated, but also in the latter stages, because she had been a kickboxing champion beforehand. And there was a lot of the, the trash talk and the nonsense for a couple of years before that fight took place. A, a ridiculous fight was put together for Christy Martin against Layla Ali, which Layla Ali was just so much bigger, several weight classes higher, that I remember when that took place, it just shook my head. It's typical boxing crap. I mean, I had a lot of respect for Layla Ali. She destroyed her in that fight. It was a total mismatch. And it should really never have been made. But then Riker and Christy Martin worked closer in weight together, although Christy Martin did have a few uh, losses at that time in her career. So there was a lot of anticipation. The buildup to it was just really nasty not only just trash talk, but the usual stuff where Christy Martin would say, we should have a doctor 
look in Lucia Riker's pants to see if she's really a woman and all this stuff. How is that going to make people want to spend money? It was supposed to be a Showtime pay-per-view and it was going to be in Vegas at the Mandalay Bay. But about 10 days before uh, the fight, uh, Lucia Riker tore her Achilles tendon. And so they were the main event. Uh, maybe Melissa could talk later about the, the ridiculous name they, they came up with it after that highly unrealistic million dollar baby movie. They called it Million Dollar Lady. So it was built around Martin versus Riker, the grudge match, all that kind of stuff. And when Riker went down with an injury, that was the end of the pay-per-view. There were, at the time, I remember that there were people who were cynical and speculated, oh, it, because there were poor ticket sales, uh, Riker really wasn't injured. They manufactured the injury. That certainly has happened before in boxing, but that was not the case in this one because I knew somebody who was very close with somebody that knew Riker and trained with Riker and saw Riker's leg in a cast and in a wheelchair and, you know, uh, not very great feeling for that. In addition, Lucia Riker never fought again after that, after she recovered. She did as a coaching and training and all that. So the fight, the fight didn't take place. And by all reports, it also did poorly in the ticket sales up to that to that point. And my feeling is that Aram at that point concluded once again, because this fight was screwed up, all women's boxing is futile. And, you know, he's the promoter. Whose fault is it that the promoter is supposed to, to build these things? You could think of in 2005 in Vegas, a million and one ways uh, to build that fight, but he, they're not, it's not a creative company. They don't do original things. There's all sorts of ways that you could promote a fight like that, that would be different than promoting a men's fight. So uh, they didn't do it. And he did a little bit more with Mia St. John. Again, Melissa could talk more about that. He has one uh, a female boxer now, Michaela Mayer, in his stable, but she's just sort of there and not among the top people that are really being pushed and uh, promoted. And then, he, and then because uh, on April 30th, you're having the historic Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano fight. That's going to be in the main room in Madison Square Garden, not the small room, which is the Hulu theater and has had various names as the naming rights have changed over the years that holds 5,000 people. This is going to be in the big room of the garden, that the big fights at Ali and Frazier were held, all these big fights. Amazing. People going to be there. And according to the reports, tickets were just gobbled up at a record pace once they went on sale. And it's going to be on the uh, zone around the world. You know, we'll see how that does. But Aram has a good fight on ESPN that night with Shakur Stevenson, a step up for him against Oscar Valdez. That's certainly a good fight. But what Aram does, instead of saying, well, you know, there are two good fights on the night. We hope you watch mine. He just dumps on uh, the Taylor and Serrano fight saying nobody's going to watch it. And, you know, the usual misogynist crap. But everything Aram says, you have to take with a, a mountain of salt. 
I mean, this is the this is the guy who once said, "Yesterday I was lying. Today I'm telling the truth." Well, <laughs> Did he really say that, Eddie? Apparently, yes. And I think he even lied about the, the circumstances of it, saying he was drinking with reporters and got drunk and was saying a lot of stuff, which got oh, angry, whatever. But the point is that this is no what, what the guy does. He's a hater. He's a misogynist. According to Terrence Crawford, he's a racist. He does all these kind of things, and he just dumps he just dumps on this. Whereas the disowned people with all their faults, their credit, was saying, yes, you got two big fights on the same night, and we're going to try to get the Taylor and Serrano fight uh, finished before uh, the Stevenson and Valdez fight, if people want to see both. They, you know, they didn't dump it at all. They said they're both important fights. Absolutely. Hey, listen, even Shakur Stevenson said, listen, uh, this is a really big fight. You all watch it. We'll, and then tune into mine, you know. He, exactly. he was there. He was down supporting with. the women like you should. All right, exactly. And listen, one of his biggest his one of his biggest supporters is Clarissa Shields right. because they were at the Olympics together. You know, mm -hmm. so Clarissa said this is a bigger fight than her potential fight with Savannah yeah. Marshall. And Clarissa is, you know, if anything, exaggerates certain things. But for her to say that, she, you know, she said she's not a hater. She understands. The importance of this for women's boxing and absolutely and boxing in general this is why what i wrote is that the article uh, women's boxing is the main event women's boxing is turning out to be the main event of fights in boxing not just women's boxing in boxing in 2022 we talked about the heavyweights that were blue in the face we still do not have as of this recording Tyson Fury versus Dillian White or anybody else signed. We still do not have the rematch between Alexander Usyk mm -hmm. and Anthony Joshua signed. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. Maybe it'll be changed again. You know, maybe the, the sun will explode. Who knows really what's going to go on. <laughs> but we have Taylor and Serrano signed. They did their press conference tour, all that stuff. They have a date. They have a broadcaster, and that's ready to go. And Are they Marshall, coming to Los Angeles for a presser? You know I want to be there. Yeah, I, I don't know. I know they just did the London one last week. Um, but th listen, they also have another undisputed women's boxing match on that car. They've got Franchon Cruz. Oh, that's going to be good, middleweight. too. Yeah, that's so, be good. like, I, I have to say, you know, Eddie, Eddie Hearn, he is putting his money where there's mouth, you know. He's yep. he's building a really big card, and uh, it's it's appreciated and much appreciated, and we, Eddie. Much appreciated. And I would also point out for those uh, some people may know, but not everybody might know, the two most respected and popular athletes, not boxers, athletes in Ireland, are Katie Taylor and Kelly Harrington, the Olympic gold medalist. That's over everybody. It's over the UFC guys. It's over all the other fighters that uh, that are out there and, and all the athletes and all these other sports. So that's going to be big, uh, obviously, in Ireland with Katie Taylor fighting. That's right. Yeah, they're, boxing they're gonna be is on fire. Boxing is on fire. And, you know, New York and 
because COVID is, is coming down in terms of the number of cases, you're going to see folks coming over from Ireland and UK to watch this fight. So it, it's going to be a really exciting opportunity at, at, uh, on the 30th of April. But to, to Eddie's uh, point about uh, Aram and, and, and all things Lucia Riker and so on, one little note is that this whole million dollar lady thing as a, you know, coming on the heels of the uh, Oscar winning million dollar baby with Hilary Swank, Lucia Riker was actually performed in the film. She played the yeah, antagonist, yeah. Billy the Blue Bear Osterman, um, and also did all the fight sequencing and, and just had a lot, a major role in the production of the film. So that was part of why Aram thought of, you know, did come up with the concept of a, of a promotion of those two, because here you had a woman in a, who was in an Oscar winning film who had a pivotal role in the film in terms of who Lucia Riker is. But as Eddie pointed out, you know, when you have somebody promoting something that has no respect for it, only sees it as a potential for making some cash, yep. then of course it's bound to fail. And it, you know, it was unfortunate that Lucia Riker had an injury um, and, and never did come back to boxing because there were other health issues that she developed over time related to her boxing career. Um, that prevented her from coming back. But, um, you know, she was an important figure. She was recognized as a true boxing person and a champion. So it's not as if she was some fly-by-nighter. I should also add that she was, you know, when Bob Arum finally did come back into boxing 20 years after, um, I guess, he promoted the fight in 77. He complained and said, I'll never do another women's boxing bout in 1987. And then after Don King scored big with Christy Martin, he said, oh, oops, maybe I should get back in the game. And his first fighter was Lucia Riker, and she was on fire. That woman could box. She can but fight. he also dropped her because she was a fit, beautiful black woman from Holland who had been a kickboxer um, and did not fit his image of what a woman should right. be. So he went from muscles to, uh, to boobs and he started to promote Mia St. John who, you know, in her own right was a martial artist and a black belt in martial arts, but she was also a very beautiful woman. And between them, they cooked up hot pink. And instead of Christy Mark Martin, who would come out in her signature baby pink, she'd come out in hot pink. And he also, you know, had her on the cover of Playboy magazine with two big red boxing gloves in front of her breast. So this was her, right? not, you know, this was the worst of the worst in terms of, you know, at that time in the early aughts, there was this real sense that boxing was a carnival. When people like uh, Layla Ali came in, there was a real concern about all the boxing daughters and everything else. And um, so it just added into that mix of, of really pushing the respect from the women who actually got in there to contest the sport and trivialized it as, you know, um, fetishizing women mm -hmm. in the ring, you know, as something, you know, a step up from mud wrestling. So it was really pretty awful for them. But uh, Aram, as noted, had no respect for it, continues to have no respect for it, even though he's got in his stable, quote unquote, a top 10 boxer. 
in Michaela Mayer, who is herself an Olympian and a, an, an, a uh, two-weight champion at mm -hmm. super featherweight. So I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. Well, you could cue up the theme to All in the Family because I could hear uh, Bob <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Saying something like, you know, hey, eat it, dear. Stifle yourself, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like that. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's that's it. You know, I mean, okay, look, he's 90 years old, but I don't, I'm sorry, you're still in the biz. And, oh, uh, my God. That's not an excuse for racism and old. sexism. He is Don the Archie Bunker of boxing, Bob Arrow. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't know. And, Don and is 90 years old, and his recent card, which had, you know, a lot of criticism that took place in Warren, Ohio, when when King was a half hour late to his own press conference, he had Christy Martin and Ray Mancini just sort of going long, you know, to fill up right. the time because they were they were uh, webcasting it. And what was very interesting is that she has her own promotional company now. And she, Warren, Ohio, as I was told, is not far from Appalachia. And they were going over the undercard fighters who were, not well known at all, but Christy Martin was going one after the other. She knew most of these undercard fighters and she had trained with them and worked with them and, you know, was trying to, was trying to put them over, not just saying stuff in general. And her, she's running from what I understand. These are more like club shows and small shows. She's just starting out in terms of promotion. She doesn't have any big uh, broadcast deal. And there's that incredible, I finally got a chance, uh, and I'll tell you why th that ridiculous picture or non-picture me is up <laughs> in a minute, but uh, she, I finally got a chance recently to watch that Netflix documentary on her. That was so good. I'm always the biggest fan of documentaries because sometimes they're very skewed and selective in what they show and don't show, but this was just moving stuff both the some of the thrilling fights the stuff uh the downfall of her the whole situation with her ex-husband it was just something you got to see and beyond even boxing people should really see that just as a, a human interest story but particularly for boxing people and she as she said there is a survivor She's far from perfect in everything she's done. There were a lot of things she did that can be criticized, but she's she's still around. She's in her 50s now. Uh, she got uh, obviously divorced from Martin, who was serving a, a long uh, prison sentence and hopefully never gets out for what he did. She married, interestingly enough, a former opponent, Lisa Holwine, who yep. she fought. She, she married her. And apparently they're happy now. Very, very it's, happy. Yeah, it's a very, it's a, it's an incredible, it's just like an incredible story. And and frankly, much more compelling than anything any scriptwriter could come up with. And all of this stuff is true. So, right. I, you know, that's one of them. And I don't know if we have time. I just want to talk a little bit about Layla Ali, some of my experiences, because I tried to give a lot of attention to uh, to Layla Ali um, after her f fight the one with Jackie Fraser I had her on the uh, the old iata.com uh, network she was very critical of her own performance 
She felt maybe she won, you know, by a round or so. It could have been even after eight rounds, but she went on to improve herself a lot. So, uh, and, you know, we could talk about more of that next week, what happened Mm -hmm. with Leila Ali, but she became an excellent boxer, 24. So, so, so Eddie, you said like she watched her fight and she, she recognized and realized she needed to make improvements and went back to the drawing board. And this, I I think this is... Yeah, I gotta this... take a break for a minute. I'll be okay. Back. Okay. Yeah, but, but I, I, I... let me just finish this thought because when I asked Heather Hardy if she watched films, a uh, film of herself, she said no. And I, as an athlete, I just I can't fathom that, right? Because you want to be able to see what you're doing, the mistakes you're making, because your coach may see some shit, but you know, you know, you know, and understand what needs to what adjustments you may need to make in the gym. And I just don't know that I would trust. I mean, I would trust my coaches completely, but I want to see for myself. So you get that visual imagery in your head. So everything flows together. So I I hope, you know, I wish Heather Hardy all the best in this fight. I hope she comes out on top, but for you athletes out there, that are just up and coming and in the fight game, you really want to get into strategizing and improving performance you've got to see yourself on film you have to you got to be able to to criticize yourself and i love the fact that layla ali looked at that and then went back to the drawing board yeah and 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 the thing was that was her 10th fight um when she fought jackie fraser Mm. and jackie fraser came into that seven and oh um and uh I really encourage people to watch it. It's available on YouTube. There's two rounds missing for some reason, but the rest of the fight is there. It's exciting and fascinating. It was held during, uh, it was held at uh, Turning Stone Casino up in Verona, New York, um, right around the uh, weekend for uh, um, the Boxing Hall of Fame weekend. So it was really well attended. It was in a big tent outside. They were the main event of a pay-per-view. Nice. It was a really, really exciting event. And as Eddie said, um, she took it to heart because on some cards she could have lost. It was very close. And she did get the win as a, as a, um, as a mixed decision and then went on to fight some really good fighters and did indeed improve her game. Uh, one other note is when she did fight Christy Martin some years later in 2003, Christy Martin literally came out wearing an army uniform loaded down with weights to make weight because she was so much lighter than Layla. I mean, Layla wow. Ali walked around at 180 pounds, right? Wow. So, and that fight was at 159. And Christy had to wear weights to make weight for that fight. So that was that crazy. That is crazy. They allowed her to do that? They allowed her to do that. And she got, you know, knocked out in the fourth round. Uh, way, just a totally ridiculous fight. That, wow. But, wow. It, you know, it speaks to, to Eddie's point about her bio, which I really incur- agree with Eddie. You must watch it. Yeah, it's much watched television yeah. on Netflix. Um, really by that point, you know, the manipulation by her husband, who was also her manager, was extreme. Um, she Abusive, was really... Right abusive and you know to the point of him attempting to murder her and leaving her for dead so not a good i'll just i just had to step off for a couple minutes because 
I am still in hospital and doing this from my hospital bed. And we've been in the hospital. We you know, appreciate you for doing that, Ellie. Yeah. That's amazing. People, people come in and out, you know, with medication and this information and, and misinformation and, you know, whatever stuff. So I had to uh, deal with some of that. So I'm not sure I answered the thing about whether whether she watched the video or not. I don't remember whether uh, Leila Ali said she watched the video of the fight, but when we had her on a live interview, she was very disappointed in her own performance. I think she thought she's Leila Ali. She's the daughter of the greatest. And who is this other woman? She's just going to go in and knock her out straight away. And obviously it, it didn't happen. I remember watching that fight live on uh, TV. I scored it four rounds apiece. I mean, it, there was some close round, so I could see 5-3 for Layla Ali, but it was it was a close fight. And so Layla didn't didn't want that uh, to happen. Layla was very critical of her own performance. And she was sometimes there. Uh, she is she had a uh, personality like a number of people I've seen in combat sports who were self-critical, but also defensive because they were given a lot of crap by haters all the time. And so uh, in terms of taking criticism, I understand that they get uh, they get defensive about that when you just discussed it. But she continued fighting and to me had a tremendous career and is now, again, she's long since retired. She's doing some entertainment and whatever beauty and fashion or whatever that is not exactly my game. But uh, by the way, that little, those little the circle and oval, for some reason, Zoom on my phone is not displaying my picture. So I don't That's know. That's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll paste your picture in there, Eddie. Don't you worry. Find a good <laughs> I'm going to put that picture of you and Layla Ali in that, in that little box right there. Yeah, that was from uh, I think around <laughs> 2006, our, our, one of her last fights, and that was at Madison Square Garden at the uh, pre-fight press conference stuff and uh i didn't you know you could take a look you could take a look at how, how big she was even though we were sitting down all right yeah she was a big girl so, all right before we wrap it up you guys want to touch base on anything else no i think we're good all I think right we're good. all right eddie look I, I, man i hope you hurry up and get out of that hospital because you know i don't want you in there too long catching anything else other than what you I got don't, i don't either it was not COVID, by the way, for people that right. <laughs> you don't have COVID cooties. <laughs> well, I did a couple of years ago, but I'm just pointing, right. just pointing that out. And, and there are many of us in hospitals who have other stuff wrong with them. And yet, because of all the COVID idiots out there and these idiot uh, convoy truckers in Canada, which a minority, a small fraction of truckers, because most of the vast majority of them got vaccinated and intelligent. Right. Unlike, they want to feed their families. They want to live. Yes. They like right. to live and survive and work. And, uh, but the hospitals get filled up with unnecessarily with all this COVID because of all these unvaccinated and unmasked people. So they're not only hurting themselves, but they're hurting everybody because the resources of these hospitals get sucked up by treating all the COVID patients. Right on. Well, get better, Eddie. You know, we hold, we hold the space for you, brother. 
Get well we soon. Love you, Eddie. Uh, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you, Eddie, uh, other than the hospital right now? <laughs> Social media. Hopefully I'll be out. I should be out relatively soon. You can go to my Twitter. I still, because of this phone, can shout out to the world at, at NHB News. You can go to my Patreon. I had an article on the resurgence of women's boxing uh, called Women's Boxing is the Main Event talking about some of the things we talked about today. And that's at patreon.com slash Eddie Goldman. And of course, uh, eddiegoldman.com. And I haven't been able to update in this damn hospital from the phone as much as I wanted to. So when I get the hell out of here, I'll tighten everything up a little bit. So right on, right yeah. on. Melissa, let's uh, have your social media handles, baby. Tell everybody where they can find you. You got it, babe. I'm uh, at Girl Boxing now on Twitter and Instagram. Um, shout out to my brother Eddie, just to get better, and uh, hope everyone out there uh, sends good wishes and prayers to Eddie for a quick recovery. All right, and we're gonna see that little kitty of yours, uh, Mr. Sugar Ray. Mr. Sugar Ray, my new little heart he with his so torn cute. ear. That's yeah, we all. thought about Holyfield, but right, you know, that would have been because he is from Georgia. You know, he came up from Gainesville, right on to a right little on. shelter in Brooklyn. Right on. Well, <laughs> thank you for saving a little kitty there, uh, Melissa. <laughs> all right, folks, look, that's all we have for you today. Thanks for tuning in. This is a war room, this is Sports Justice Radio. You can find me on Twitter at Angry Afro Radio and on Instagram at Fight Goddess Fitness. All right, that's at Fight Goddess Fitness. And check us out at warsports.com. That's war with a double A, W-A-A-R, sports.com. And we will see you next time. Peace, love, and push-ups. Boom.